It's Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. Whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place, perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place, a place to hear that you matter, to hear that you're loved, and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Now, if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at richardellistalks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Right or Left. So if you walk into the Congress of the United States, everything to your left, you go down that aisle, there's a center aisle, everything to your left is left, everything to your right is right. Conservative, liberal, they literally separate out the room. And so when you talk about people being way to the right, conservative, whatever, or way to the left, liberal, whatever that is, that's where we get that. So where should a Christian be? If you walked in the room, if you walked in the, in the Congress, you're visiting the building, where would you sit? They said, pick a spot based on who you are. Where would you find yourself in the room? Would you be way over by the wall on the left or way over on the wall by the right? Or would you just kind of stand in the aisle? You say, well, these things shouldn't be discussed in church. So let me talk to you about that for a second. The First Amendment does not try to keep the government keep the church so much out of government as government out of the church, right? That thing was passed to say, you leave us alone, okay? But people turn that around and say, well, we can't have an impact on government. But if we can have an impact on government, what kind of impact can we have? You say, well, I feel very strongly about your issue, wherever that issue is. Maybe it's on immigration, maybe it's on the economy, maybe it's on welfare or not, government control or not. You got some issue, you're hot on that issue. So you say, well, why do you fight for these things? Why do you even verbalize these things? Um, because it's worth saying. But if you follow me around and listen to me speak long enough, there's, you may hear me mention that, but what do you hear me speak of more than anything? Jesus. Okay, so here's kind of where we're going today. Whether you're right or left, wherever you pick, you would sit in that assembly and say, this is where I identify. Let me say this slowly and carefully. You better not be more hot about your issue than you are Jesus or we're all in trouble. You can't find one instance, for instance, of civil disobedience Go, go do this as a Christian. And until recently in our world, United States, some, a few, few places around the world, you couldn't even pick your leader. So let's read some scriptures and I'll, I'll duck behind these. So Daniel chapter 2. Uh, and I'm just going to go through. This isn't an exhaustive list. It's just uh, a few of these to kind of cover. Daniel chapter 2 verse 21. 
speaking of God, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So, and I can read you a verse in, uh, in the New Testament about this as well. So this is a little per perplexing even for me to get my head around. The people in the world, even in North Korea, at any given time, the guy running North Korea is not there because he picked to be there. God put him there. You say, well, why would God put that guy there? I don't know, but that's what the book says. You say, well, what's his purpose? What's his plan? I don't know. But you don't get to be king, president, anything without God knowing it and it happening on his watch. So you say, well, that guy's a pig. That guy's a monster. That guy's a whatever. Whatever you can come up with, I got more verses for you where the scripture says to honor the king or whoever the person is in authority. Well, I can't do that. Then you're going to have a hard time reading the Bible and living a Christian life. See, if you, if you stop honoring people you don't like, you're going to shoot your parents probably. The Bible says, you know, honor your father and mother. It says to obey him as a child, but when you get, you're, you're not, I'm not a child anymore. It says to honor him. Are you doing that or not? You either are or you aren't. Well, I don't like them. They were evil. They were mean. That's not what it says. It says to honor him. Find some way to honor him. Okay. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care where you're from. When you've been with Jesus, you come out like this, bold. And people know this is not just religion. This is not just ceremonial. This is a changed person who has been engaged by God himself and is now engaging, allowing Jesus to engage the world through them. That's a whole other thing. How often do you meet this person? Secondly, are you this person? And if not, why not? Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? So get them out of here and let's talk about it. What are we going to do to these guys? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So we got to stop these people. Now, you say, well, where does, where does re religion, and this is Jewish people trying to shut down Christians. They had certain legal rights. But if the government walks in here and says, no more in Jesus' name, you know what I'm going to say? Good luck. Because we got no other name. Well, we're going to lock you up. Lock us up. Now you say, well, you say that casually like going to jail would be a simple thing. How are you going to sleep in your bed having denied Jesus? So you get to go home that night, and you're going to lay there and think what? I just backed off of the man who died on a cross for me, was buried and raised from the dead, and I can't speak his name no matter what the cost. 
Now that day may be coming. I don't know if that day's coming. If it comes, you're going to find out who you are and whose you are. And I am trying to stay, you know, keep the temperature up without that necessarily persecution. You say, well, dude, you say crazy things. People aren't going to come back. I'm not trying to get you to come back. I'm trying to get you to come and go out and be who you're supposed to be and help us all figure out what this is really about. Because if the day comes in this country, and if you read throughout, throughout history, a godless government will try to silence Christians because we are a problem. And worse than that, the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist in the world at all times is out to shut us up. Because we have the answer. We are the answer. Salt, light, we got it. They got to get us. They got to shut us down. And this is going on all over the world right now. Go to Belarus right now. They're trying to silence Christians. China, you name it. Okay? Keep reading. Do not speak in this name. No more Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, so what's their answer? Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. What, what do you think? How you doing? You know, kind of one of those. Um, like, really? You're going to tell us to stop speaking a name. So should we listen to you or to God? You judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. And you keep reading, and these guys get arrested. Acts chapter 5. Um, for the sake of time, we'll go down to the bottom of this verse. Uh, they're in jail. They're in jail, verse 19. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, and, and the angel's giving them directions now, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Don't back down. So now they got arrested, and they're like, okay, we're back at it. In the temple where they were told not to go. And when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with them came and called the council together with all the elders and the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Like, we have no idea how they got out. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They're out there again. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, and they feared the people lest they should be stoned. So now they're worried the people are going to stone the, the religious rulers. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Now, did we not tell you? Like, let's go back over this. Did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? Wouldn't even say Jesus. Not to teach in his name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your, with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostle answered and said, 
We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, is that your decision? You say, yeah, and so I'm going to riot, and I'm going to protest, and I'm going I'm to break the law and get myself arrested. That is not what this is talking about. You can do that. The context of these stories is preaching Jesus. You say, well, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to get out in a temple somewhere out on the street. Interesting how we make fun of the street preachers. Oh, look at that crazy guy out there. He's out there on that corner. Repent! Holding his Bible up. Oh, man, you're crazy. No crazier than some Old Testament prophet. Or these guys. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is, is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. Now remember, they're furious. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. You better think about what you're about to do. For some time ago, Thutis arose, rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came nothing. After this, man, Judas of Galilee, rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. Nothing came of it. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Now why? And let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men... It will come to nothing, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Now, let me tell you something about what we're doing. This is not just some movement where a few hundred people. This has been going on for 2,000 years and moving forward. And what they discovered pretty quick is that if they fought Christianity, they were fighting against God. And they agreed with him. Now, this is really weird. You think, well, how is this going to go with what they just decided? They agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, let's just throw that in there for good measure, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, you say, well, I'm not getting beaten for anything you're already beat. You say, what does that mean? So if, if you just became a Christian, so let me be gentle with this. If you just became a Christian Tuesday or something, okay, it's going to take some time to get you up and running. But I'm speaking to people who have been, you say you got saved 20, 30 40 years ago, and we couldn't find anybody in your circle of family, friends, anywhere who would even say that was what, who you are. Something is not working. 
Because if you get Jesus and he moves in and he takes over and he is Lord and Savior and he begins to change you from the inside out, then your life is going to be mobilized in a world. You're going to be salt. You're going to be light. You're going to change the world. It's not possible. And you will get to the place where if you say, I'm going to speak in Jesus' name, and they say, if you do, we'll beat you, that somewhere in the mix you say, then you're going to have to beat me because I will not be silent. But if you've never been anything but silent, the thought of being beaten for that is totally bizarre. You can't even get caught being a Christian, much less be beaten for speaking his name. Now, you say, well, what's the point of all this? You got to step this up, people. What are you doing here? Well, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to do. I paid my taxes and I gave some money to the church and... I waved at an old lady in the grocery store. She waved back. Like, right? My evangelism verse. Follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. I'm not buying it. When I meet someone and they say they're a follower of Christ, I want to hear some fishing stories. Tell me what you got. Show me your fish. Tell, that's exciting conversation. And you say, well, why do you keep telling stories about leading people to Christ? Are you just bragging? No, I'm trying to bait you into going fishing. You, got, you are the bait. Go fish. Give a reason for the hope that's within you. And once you get going, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Where were we? How many verses? What verse were we on? Oh, they beat him. That's where we were. They beat him. So they beat him. Let him go. And then look at the next verse. So they departed from the presence of the council. What? Oh my gosh, we got beat. Or beaten rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Like, this is the stuff. You think these people are nuts? No, they're not nuts. They get it. The world is going to hate you. They're going to hate me. I know there are people that unlike and, you know, he's nuts and they're not going to listen anymore. That's okay. I don't have to answer for that. I got to answer for not backing down, speaking the truth in love, and so do you. And I promise you, today, the next day, the next day, every day of your life that you're on this planet, if you at least leave your home or, or talk to someone, tech, whatever, you are going to have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that's within you. You have to seize the opportunities. You say, well, how do I know when that's happening? If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If he lives inside of you, you're communicating with him. If you're communicating with you, he, he will literally, without an audible voice with me, Speak to that person. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. How many people have had that experience? Please raise your hand. Okay, so this is not just me. You say, well, I'm nervous. Okay, it's okay to be nervous. How, is anybody in here, non-medical personnel, ever delivered a baby outside of a hospital? Raise your hand. Nobody. You see it in the movies. 
Back of a cab. Okay, second question. If you were on a bus somewhere and a woman is having a baby, would you try to assist her if you were the only person around to deliver that child not knowing a thing about what you were doing, but you would still try to say, let me try to help you raise your hand? You're up. When a person becomes a Christian, they're being born again. And you say, well, I got to get them to somebody who knows how to do this. There is nobody. Sometimes there's nobody but you. And if you can already see the head, you can get the rest out. There we go. So, a little personal experience. Okay. So, anyway. You say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. When a baby's coming, they're coming. Right? Just, just, I'm, I'm just almost, I'm borderline begging you, get in the game, get in the war. These people are everywhere. They can't figure out why no one's talking to me. Suicides, depression, they got no answers. You can only have sex with so many people. You can only drink, do so many drugs. You can only drink so much alcohol. You can only buy so much crap. You know, it's, you just, there's only so much. And then they go, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. I've run all these traps and I'm trapped. Now what do I do? And someone walks along and the Holy Spirit says, hey, talk to that guy. Hey, how are you doing? Do you mind if I pray for you? And they're a little freaked out. And you pray for them and they start crying and what's going on and can't believe you showed up. I've been asking God to send me help forever. Nobody showed up. You showed up. Let's see. I got more notes. I might be hungry, so we might just shut it down. Okay, so sometime on your own time, go read Romans 13. And just everything after that. So, um, all right. So here's my last point. You either get right or you get left. You say, well, how do I get right? You got to get right with him first. How do I get right with him? You say, God, I got no more excuses. Let me tell you one of the most powerful things in the world that anybody can ever do, any addiction, any anything. Take responsibility. Stop blaming everybody else on the planet for your problems, and God included. Stop blaming. They tried it in the garden. It does not work. Take responsibility. So you say, God, I take responsibility. I am a sinner, period. No excuses. And I don't want to live this way anymore, and I don't want to die this way. I understand now that you love me, that Jesus died on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead to offer me the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life with you forever. I'm in. If it's a gift, I'm going to do like I do at Christmas, and I'm going to say thank you very much and accept. So come live in me, come live through me, change me. I'm yours.
And, and what do I always tell you? It can't be that easy. And the answer is, easy for who? It's easy for us because he made everything simple. He's the one that did the dying. He's the one that suffered. He's the one that took your place. And he makes it available and even gives you the faith to believe. You don't even have to come up with the faith. So I encourage you, if you don't know him, I'm going to pray that simple prayer in just a second. And you can literally go from having God everywhere in the universe and in, in eternity and in heaven to moving into your physical body, and that will change everything. Father, I thank you so much for your word, um, for leaving us here on the planet to have an impact. Sure, we have the right to vote. Sure, we can have an impact on social things, but ultimately, nothing's going to change this world but Jesus. And that's hearts changing, lives changing, and then those individuals making up a nation, a society, bringing about change. Help us be very careful not to be just slinging our will and our passion and our anger and our ideals and to run it by you and ask you what you would have us do and choose accordingly. Father, for anyone out there in this room who knows for a fact if they drop dead right now, they would not end up in heaven and they know that's got to change and they would say what I just said a minute ago. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on that cross, shed his blood, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin and offer me the forgiveness of my sin and purchase a place for me in heaven that is all of this is a free gift. I accept, I say thank you, I receive it, and I have no way to pay for it, and I'm not even going to try. I just thank you. Thank you that you've now moved into me in the person of the Holy Spirit. You live in me, you can live through me, change me, send people to help me grow and chase you and be bold and be the salt and light, the, the preservative, the in this dark world, Lord, the light in this world that you intended and use my life to bring about change in the lives of others and most of all, Lord, to bring glory to you that whatever they see in me, they, it would cause them to glorify you, my Father. Thank you for loving me, for coming after me, staying after me, and for this moment when I'm adopted, born into your family. And Father, for believers today, I know this is all intense and it's not about beating people down, but it is about growing up, Lord. And I pray for anybody who's just been kind of stuck. Maybe there's some sin. We all got stuff. Maybe they just, the, the enemy's got them trapped in some sin and they, they won't yield. I pray that we would confess our sins, knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, and that we would get on with the life, the only life we're ever going to have down here and live the way you intended for us to live. Be the people you want us to be and stop hating on people because they disagree and take a stand on things that really matter. In the sweet, precious name of Jesus. So you're the best. Thank you for being so patient with us, Lord, and for moving us along, herding us along, and uh, growing us up. And for those that have been saved today, we thank you for them and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com. There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast. Or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life starting today with Richard Ellis Talks.